Welcome to the Soul Path Sessions podcast with Deborah Mainz Pearson and Brenda Littleton. Brenda is an educator and counselor rooted in Jungian and eco psychology. She helps her clients understand the importance of the mind, body, spirit, and earth relationship for healing. Deborah is a licensed psychotherapist and has been trained in traditional and sacred psychology, exploring from the ground up what makes our human experience meaningful, wholesome, and enlightening. Deborah and Brenda invite you to accompany them on a soul path journey as they explore the possibilities of living a more soulful life as therapists, seekers, and lovers of fate. Welcome back to Soul Path Sessions, and we're going to open up with the notion of integration. Yeah. Yeah. How do you become somebody new? We were talking in our last, I, I think this is our 10th, I think we're celebrating our 10th okay. podcast, just um, which I'm proud of us. Because, you know, yeah. we're integrating, we're bringing into our lives a dream we had a couple months ago uh, to do a podcast. And look at, we're doing it now. Yeah, and thank you for inviting cool. me. Yeah, so we're integrating. And integrating really means putting it on the calendar. <laughs> you know, make a date with destiny. You know, uh, so many people say, I'm going to write a book. I mean, everybody tells me they're going to write a book. I'm like, right, we'll write the book. Sit down. Integrate that into your identity. Mm-hmm. Do this very simple thing. And this is really important when we're reinventing ourselves as we get older and some of us feel less useful or less relevant. Um, this can happen at any stage of life, but it kind of ties into our last show. You're now in charge of you. Maybe nobody really cares what you become. How great is that? And the pressure to maintain who you were has dissolved into who do you want to be or who right. are you? Right. I and mean, you're completely free. I mean, yeah. on one level is the terror yeah. of irrelevance and nobody really cares and you're not turning heads on the street the way you used to. And the other one is this absolute freedom to create what you want to create, look at what you mm-hmm. want to look at, become what you want to become and create a date with destiny, which now reminds me that a poem is coming on. Yeah. Um, and the poem just appeared. It's one from, I believe she's a Welsh poet, um, Floor Adcock. And she wrote this, I think around her 60s. And she was um, uh, vacationing in the hill country in, in uh, I think it was in England. And she's just at that age where you've just turned that corner and you realize, oh, I'm an old person. And so we have so, we, you know, we are used to being looked at. And so this poem is all about looking mm-hmm. out. And so it's called Weathering by Flora Edcock, a retired a librarian. <laughs> literally, literally thin-skinned, I suppose. My face catches the wind off the snow line and flushes with a flush that will never wholly settle. Well, that was a metropolitan vanity, wanting to look young forever to pass. I was never a pre-Raphaelite beauty nor anything but pretty enough to satisfy men who need to be seen with passable women. But now I'm in love with a place which doesn't care how I look or if I'm happy. Happy is how I look. That's all. My hair will grow gray in any case. My nails chip and flake. My waist thicken and the years work all their usual changes. If my face is to be weather beaten as well. That's little enough lost, a fair bargain for a year among the lakes and fells when simply to look out of my window at the high pass makes me indifferent to mirrors and to what my soul may wear over its new complexion. To simply, to to look out my window 
at the high pass and make me indifferent to mirrors and to what my soul may wear over its new complexion. Yeah. A whole new awareness. <clears throat> mm -hmm. The idea that we're looking out, not being looked at, at. as much, yeah. is really kind of cool. Yeah. It's an incredible freedom. A lot of people like to be invisible. They choose, do you want to fly or do you want to be invisible? A lot of people choose invisibility. Yeah. You can get around. Yeah. You can look out. And there's a lot of, I mean, at least for for whatever reason, I still think, you know, when once 60 is reached, there's two, maybe three decades. I mean, that's a long time. When yeah. you when you go back three decades and think of yourself as 30, mm -hmm. standing at 60, thinking of yourself at 90, that's a lot of territory mm -hmm. of living under harsh personal inner concerns of, I'm not my 40-year-old anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time to weather that storm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And it, it it takes a lot of forbearance. You know, mm -hmm. this is an old-fashioned word, like yeah. a, an old ship that's just able to ride this stormy sea and just know it's going to be like that. And and so many times, really older people, I'm always, all my life, been attracted to older people. Like, they're travelers, and they're ahead of us. And they say, this too shall pass. They always say, this, mm -hmm. or that's just the way it goes. The time will tell. Time will tell. They have these things. That, yeah, they're adages. It may uh, sound simplistic, but it's actually true. This too shall pass. Yeah. And how? And you will ride through this. And I'm not saying I'll always ride through it gracefully, but there is a sense of vision in those who <clears throat> age well. My dad was a boat builder, <clears throat> and I grew up in the west coast of British Columbia on the west coast of Vancouver Island in very torrential, weathered, rain-soaked world. And there's a word of a boat that will take you out to sea and bring you back safely, weathering all storms, and it's called skookum. Mm. And I love that word, Me too. skookum. Mm -hmm. And... um and I'm beginning to understand what it means to be skookum as a person, mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. a skookum person. Oh. <laughs> I like that. I like to be a skookum person. I'm not always, sometimes I'm just uh, shipwrecked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just. <laughs> but you still make it back home. It's, uh, you make it, it's, it's just that idea of endurance. Um, yeah. This ability to also live more presently, um, to see what's happening in the room, and to integration in our last show we were talking about this, these four parts that come from the book that you've been reading um the inner work of soul i believe is the name of the book um, um the inner work of age shifting mm -hmm. from soul from role to soul by connie zawig mm -hmm. and um i've been listening to an, an audible version of it as i walk and which I think is a wonderful metaphor as I'm walking toward aging and walking yeah. in aging, walking with her words. And yeah. um, she's a depth psychologist, so she brings in uh, a lot of challenges and metaphors that that are easily found. And um, I highly recommend the book. Uh, I like her idea of you must have the pay attention to what you want. Those were my words. Oh, that that, that came from my. Um, I like Jumping. your words. <laughs> well, I was, I'm reading her book, but I also went to Oak Creek in Sedona, and there's a particular uh, jumping, uh, like a, a swimming hole that I jump in where the current is pretty strong. And 
surprisingly strong that when I, when I jump in and I surface, I'm a good 30 feet, 40 feet down river from where I jumped in within a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Like it's a pretty rapid pace right there. Yeah. And I jump in fully expecting that I have to exert myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've lived life for on again, off, off again, just receiving what comes to me. Mm-hmm. It's pretty impressive and I'm very grateful and challenged to meet the moment, but it is a different way to be in the world when you exert yourself. And it's not from an egoic stance as it is, this is what my soul wants me to do. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't want me to die in this river. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this it? No, not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so intention, making the intention, paying attention. But to you that. have to pay a lot of attention when the water's yeah. moving that quickly. Yeah. You have to really be in the moment. I, I worked up a sweat, even though I was in water, mm-hmm. to get back out of to go upstream. I, yeah, to go upstream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So having so I'm practicing now. Um, I'm, I'm articulating the practice and putting it into four steps for myself as I'm making new patterns for my next forty years or perhaps thirty, um, and 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 listening to my older self. Um, making the intention, paying attention at least once, twice, three times a day to that intention. Mm-hmm. When I hit the wall and I figure out, oh, I don't really want to do that. It's like extending myself, going beyond the norm, the mm-hmm. feeling what's comfortable. Yeah. Like being really uncomfortable with it. Like yeah, really. that birthing process we've talked about. The conception shows. and, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, the conception, like continually practicing conception. It's the birthing that hurts, not yes. the conceiving. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And then so the going beyond my norm, which is extension, mm-hmm. and then integrating it. Yeah. And to and to redefine yourself. I love your ritual on your birthday. Mine was to go to a vortex that I go to every year in Boynton Canyon. And I was going along, humpty dumming, kind of picking my way. It's a little bit treacherous. And um up ahead of me was this woman who was just wobbling around, you know, much older than me. And she had this little old dog that was quite muscular and intentional. And she had a couple walking sticks. And I looked at her and I thought, geez, she's going to fall right off the edge here. (laughs) But she just sort of found a way to rewrite herself. And we started to talk. And she was telling me she was a good 10 years older than me. And she does this walk. And she actually walked from the beginning of the trail, which I had just come in mid-trail. And her little dog, Jeffy, was ahead of her. I thought she was such a gift to me. I mean, we got to this one part where I was literally boosting her feet up so she could go vertical and trying to avoid a prickly pear cactus. And when we got to the top, I, on very wobbly legs, covered with red soil, sat, because this was my personal challenge to get to the top of the vortex, sat down and drank water. And I looked at her and she just went walking past me and joined another group of like Rasta kids and her little dog. So so you met the older Dorothy and Toto. (laughs) I mean, it just was so funny. I just was saying, this is my birthday present this year because she was so ahead of where, and then she had been telling me, I'm going to go to the Dells. I'm going to do this every day of the week. She goes walking and she just finds that inner balance. So I pushed myself to walk before, <laughs> and then I watched her, and she's gone beyond me. And, of course, some of this is luck because, you know, some of us fall down and can't walk forever again. But um, like you, I like to do something on my birthday that pushes yeah. me and says something about my year. Mm-hmm. And it was one on my birthday two years before 
uh, the beginning of the pandemic. I did not know it was the beginning of the pandemic because it was February 2020 when a poem hit me in the head and I had to go in and write it. So I paid attention. My intention on that birthday was to to come back to my creative roots, writing, dancing. And I'm just sitting there minding my own business and this poem comes to me and I just have to go and write it. So... This is a poem that's coming from out. my book Shelter in Place. That's coming out soon. Yeah, soon right? to be. Yeah, uh, coming out soon. Um, so this is. I was sitting watching in the early morning, uh, sitting outside, and I just saw a hawk. And this is the poem: Awakening, and this beauty knocks hard on the door of my heart. The mind and its designs are too small for this moment. Your frame of reference is no frame at all. Those, those lines were actually delivered to me. Mm-hmm. Your frame of reference is no frame at all. An updraft holds the hawk high and still between the canyon walls. Where are you going? Except this quiet is your awakening. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, uh, so the frame meaning not a frame, so it's too contained. It's beyond the containment. Yeah, I didn't know what I did not know what the line was when I received it. I was yeah. just watching the hawk on the updraft, mm-hmm. and when that line came, the mind and its designs, the ego mind, are too small for this moment. Mm-hmm. Your frame of like your new frame of reference is no frame at all. Right. It's for, it's for, it's boundless. Yeah, and this uh, book that this little book has been for me. Um, surprising because it arrives the invitation was the intention was set the invitation arrived i accepted the invitation i paid attention to it extended myself to get off my butt Mm -hmm. and get something to write with and catch it shaking with the intensity of catching it it's the words fell into place crafting it uh telling people about it uh, having my daughter edit it with me which has been delightful uh finding the pictures to go in it uh, and now we're in the final edit, yeah. and then organizing some events around it. And so the integration is being, um, it's, it's living as well. It's, you're sharing it here, and you're sharing it in, in these other activities. I, so. I'm thrilled, because I started off as a poet when I was young. It saved my life. The poets saved my life after my dad's death, his suicide. It was the poets who could name, say, speak of the unspeakable. Mm-hmm. And name it so well in their own grief and their own finding. And so that was my doorway. That was my portal that I put away pretty much for the 30 years I was raising kids. Mm-hmm. So moving from role to soul <clears throat> and allowing the sense of soul to take up the landscape that had been abdicated or released mm-hmm. by ego um, has brought to you this renewed relationship with writing poetry. Yes, it's actually writing me writing you. and allowing it to stir me because what I'm noticing, and this isn't just about poetry, but most artistic expression or what we must do, it comes like it generally comes when there's a lot of feeling going on. And we are feeling creatures. So it, it helps organize the feelings? It helps honor. Honor the feelings. Okay. So often, I know my daughter's an English teacher and she talks about working in the schools and my son also works in the schools. Um, and kids needed this expression for all that's going on inside. I sometimes wonder if kids were given a paintbrush or a pen or a drumstick, whether they'd pick up guns. 
or not. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But my sense is I need to express something powerfully. Mm -hmm. And, and if it doesn't get expressed through the arts or through movement, it may turn into pure evil. And I, I see this in older people too. Evil in an older person, now it's going to sound like I'm calling people who do nothing evil, but it's evil to themselves. They sit and watch the news all day. Harm to themselves. They yeah. do harm to themselves. They sit and watch the news all day, which is meant to pummel them with the worst possible things while scrolling something else across the bottom of the screen. And I never do. I just can't understand that one. The words don't match up with what is being said. Yeah, it's it's like two brains, and then the colors are too bright. Yeah. And I don't care who you're, which side you're on, yeah. but it, it, I know it, it does evil to oneself. Oh. And and it and it and what my experience is is if, when people, if you turn off the TV, there's like this this deafening void, mm. and um, and it's also this invitation to feel the losses that have mounted in getting older and being isolated and not being involved in work and to really engage with life again. A lot of my clients are on a fast, a media fast, as much as possible, just to go outside, put your feet in the dirt, you know, bang the gong, you know, tell me what you did in high school. Tell me, before you leave, what was it? It was, um, Oh, I'm trying to think of her name. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis. She was saying, that, that my great fear is not dying, but it's of dying without doing anything. Mm. And The void. The void, yeah. So she started a production company. She's doing movies. She says, I, I don't have time to be afraid of things. My biggest fear is that I will, like to quote Wayne Dyer, die with the music in me. Mm. Right? So this is the invitation. You can, do what, you can do what you want. Maybe you have to do it a little differently. Maybe it's pickleball and not tennis. Maybe it's yeah, but but it's going to be something that you can move your body again. Express. So moving out of that role, I have a propensity to believe that the role is given to us. It's like something we comply with, whereas mm. that's what youth is for—the twenties, thirties, and forties—and then that transition decade of figuring out this is not really who I. Am. This is not everything. There's more, and then from sixty on. Uh, pivoting and allowing out that which has been politely, quietly waiting in the corner pocket of one's hallway. It ha- I mean, I can remember as a young mother just like crying because I couldn't play my piano or my guitar or, or really do much of anything expressive. And I, my worst days, I loved being a mom, but on my worst days, it was like it was all about their creativity. It was all about their their stuff. And and <laughs> in fact, I remember my. Oldest son is an artist. He said he moved from oil painting to uh, music, and I kept giving him paint. And he said, "If you like paint so much, why don't you get it for yourself?" Yeah, yeah. Our projections and giving to others is yeah. really what we want to have given to ourselves. Well, I found out like he left his paints there, and he said, "If you like music so much, why did you play it?" I mean, it was a great handoff yeah. because I just and my daughter when she went to college, I said, "What will become? You know, you're going to go, and what will I do?" And she goes, "Get a life." And the and, mirror. Well, yeah. <laughs> the mirror. But it was great because it was devastating. Yeah. And that word means to render your clothing. You're so dev. And I thought, you know, wait a minute. Who did I leave behind all those years ago? I've got to find that person. Yeah. That, and and she's a mystery to me. But she has something to do with what I cared about when I was younger. I 
had this moment of reconciliation with myself on dealing with all of my neuroses and griefs and, and went back to um, a, a picture that I, I had to imagine because I, I had yet to be there. It was when my parents decided that they wanted to bring in another child, you know, bring in a child. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the art of conception I'm fascinated by. Um, and how can we've, we've all had to experience that. We were all conceived and, mm-hmm. and how can we, like, I'm, I'm, I don't have any words. I don't have a plan for this, but I am intrigued by how can we reconceive ourselves. Okay. So that's a cue because somebody wrote a poem. <laughs> That's true, but I. But as I as I read my poem of conception, I wrote it to launch uh, a chapter on how can we reconceive ourselves, mm-hmm. and part of this is you know the shadowy part of remembering who we are, mm-hmm. um, allowing out that which, as I keep referring to, has been quietly, politely waiting in the dark hallways, waiting for that to be invited back. Because I don't mm-hmm. think it's about as becoming. I think it's about as remembering. Mm. I, I really do. Full circle tour. Yeah, full circle tour. <laughs> I like that. So this is conception. And so as I read it, keep in mind, I, I guess I would like the, the listener to think about their own conception. Mm. Okay. Conception. I found this deep, deep space where sleep converts to soil, the kind of soil that when I take an initial whiff, the biome snaps part of the brain back a few thousand years to where a bird song erupts behind the left eye, and I know something important and lost has found me. And suddenly, the outer rings of all my decisions immediately remember although they truly never really ever completely quite forgot that all the next steps, all the past choices, all the regrets, all the broken promises, and those that were forever forgotten broken promises to myself, yes, all of those avalanches of well-purposed anxieties, compensations of hives and heaves as acid force overwhelms about money, men, manias, and mercurial lunges at joy of not bathing any part of me for days or those obsessive nights of chasing Orion across the sky until dawn came to fetch my part of the bargain. The agreement where I show up for some obligation made important just for the moment. All of that stuff and all of those histories most difficult to contain in some tight and tidy narrative were actually honed, summoned, and gifted from a shared intentional decision, a union between two lovers who journeyed one night in late August to a protected cove of luscious island soil and said, Come, we lay here under the cedar bough that stretches 30 feet from shore to the shallow lake waters. It is here now we burrow in, wrap together, and conceive our first child, 
a child of this place. Let's make our way from this thin-lipped ledge between form and fluidity. We leave here now as three. In a quiver of filaments, in a quark of desire, all these billions of synapses are summoned home to remember the beginning, to remember the beginning that is in every single continuing moment of additional beginnings, that this brings me home to my marrow, where 64 years ago I was one month alive, beating wildly, humming low, swaying forward like kelp, attached motion in and with another living being, wombed, hosted, dreamed about, wondered upon, anticipated, nurtured. To be conceived is a wondrous mystery. Every day since then is a wondrous mystery. This sleep soil keeps me holy. This deep, deep space is my outer womb where I continue to beat wildly, I am the bird song from a thousand years. I am those things important and lost. I am the cedar bough that stretches 30 feet from shore to shallow waters of lake, of island, of those forgotten promises made to myself, not broken or unfinished or even lost. I am their intentional conception of place, desire, destination. And I finally, I finally understand I will forever live to conceive each new arching moment in this continued, unsolved, not resolved, thin ledge of form and fluidity. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it's just, it's never going to be complete. (laughs) And on that note, we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. And that concludes this week's episode of the Soul Path Sessions podcast with Deborah Mites Pearson and Brenda Littleton. If you'd like to hear more about living a more soulful life, please subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast app and be sure to check out the show notes and links below. For more information from Deborah, visit soulpathsessions.com. And for Brenda, brendalittleton.com. Thank you for listening, and remember to follow your soul. It knows the way. <laughs>